It's Saturday, May 15th, and on today's episode, the topic on hand is Volume 2 of Love, Death, and Robots, an anthology series inspired by Heavy Metal, the movie that came out in 1981, and it's similar to Charlie Booker's Black Mirror. We're going to be ranking our favorite episodes from this volume, and we're also going to be talking about ones from Volume 1 as well, I'm sure. If you haven't checked out the series, the episodes are only 5 to 20 minutes in length, so I would highly recommend it. But without further ado, let's play that intro and break into it. You know, what I liked so much about the first season was that there was 18 episodes, so it always felt like there was more to come, and there was a really diverse way of telling stories. You could have comedy, horror, dark comedy. I'm sensing that you're going to be upset that there were only eight episodes, or that they split them up between two volumes. Well, yes, it did get a third season, but in the end, they're not going to have as many episodes in those two seasons as much as they even did in the first season. I have an answer for you. I listened to the AMA that Tim Miller and Jennifer Yu did this Friday, and they basically said that they originally intended it to be the full 16 episodes for one more volume, but then they realized through scheduling and the studios that they have to go through, each one a different episode, so they're not exactly sure who they have to get the rights from, which is a long process, that it would be better off to split up the two seasons. You said that there, <laughs> Sorry, was, volumes. You said that there was only going to be one more volume, like that's the plan? Well, I don't know what their future visions are. They might be trying for a volume four eventually, but they don't have any like story set up for it yet. I know that David Fincher for the first season had to, he always gave like the episodes to the company and then they told him what he could use, how much violence he could use, how much sex was okay. Well, he's an EP, but so he's not like one of the main producers. He wasn't one of the people who were actually answering the questions in this. I think mm-hmm. this is basically Tim Miller's show. Yeah, and Tim Miller has even said that- Who created he, Deadpool. Yeah, and he, he kind of says he has like a messy way of approaching a story while David Fincher also kind of has sophisticated ways so you wouldn't think that the two really work but from the first season it seemed like it did okay what did you think of the first season were you just like gung-ho this is amazing or were you like half of these are good or were you just like yeah I was like half of these are good yeah same here I definitely put myself in the camp of a fan of the show but it's developed this sort of cult following where some people think every episode's amazing and I definitely see some like really short episodes that I'm not yeah like completely into or the storyline feels very simple the artwork is usually always amazing yeah, though definitely. which is sometimes you just say that you just spit that out and, and people are like okay well it's not worth it just to watch art but this sometimes it is you know yeah, some of those no. episodes are but but if i was to give my favorites from the first season by far the witness was it won an emmy for its yeah. visuals and it was amazing to yeah. me like i just say not normal for me just to look at something and be just amazed by how cool the cg is of it yeah but they like spliced in the cg with real reality storytelling and just uh, i thought that though like every single shot has so much detail to it it's one of my favorites as well and then if you look at the plot of something like good hunting which i know it's one of the longer episodes but there's a lot there it is a chunky detail and it has that steampunk reference into it i I like that one a lot we have same list so far yeah okay then it was kind of tied because you had things like Sunny's Edge, Beyond Aquila Rift, both had amazing twists, 
the episode as a whole probably wasn't as good as those other ones that I just listed. And then you get things that are just kind of like uh, candy humor or um, Ice Age, which yeah. I enjoyed basically for its simplicity and its kind of arcing storyline. It's, it's very simple. I but have Ice Age as my number three. Yeah, Ice Age was fun because you got to see Topher Grace in reality, yeah. and he's a funny actor. Just and Mary see. Elizabeth Winsett. Mm-hmm. And she's been in plenty of stuff. So as a whole, I would say that Volume 1 was critically a success because of how different it was because they were willing to test the boundaries. Apparently Netflix doesn't really even offer them too many notes when they make these. So any blame that comes from the episodes <laughs> has to go right back to the directing and the also the stories and it, what, yeah. what was picked. It has an 8.5 on IMDb, number 215 on the top 250, 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think season two has a critical score yet, but from the looks of it, it seems like it's going to be like yeah, not only that, but like Amazon also tried to create their own Black Mirror series, but also kind of mix it with this when they made Electric Dreams with uh, sub-success. Sub like it, it, there was one or two episodes I really liked from that, but definitely not to the same degree. Now Volume 2 comes out. It's got eight episodes. Uh, the, the It feels like the time has been cut down a little bit. Yeah. There were less... 20 minute episodes i feel like there were a lot more oh yeah no no the longest one you got was i believe two 18 minute episodes and i know that also they kind of cast the people who animate this on the skill of the animator so a lot of people that have worked well they like the directors to work to their strengths right if it's like an action director they may bring in someone who's better at like lighting and stuff and in order if that's their weakness and then have that match together yeah but let's go through our favorites my favorite from this season, Volume 2. I think we're going to have the same one. Go ahead. I, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Mine was All Through the House. Really? Yeah, it was that really short one. <laughs> it was kind of like a stop-motion Toy Story-type Pixar-looking yeah. one. And it's it like was, a mix of Krampus and... It uh... could have been like a quick commercial. Or what I like to think of it is like Nightmare Fuel, but perfect before a Disney movie. Yeah, like a Krampus and Shivering Truth put into one, I feel like. <laughs> well, remember there was that chess one that comes before a Disney movie, or you have, right, the, no. you have the Stork one. I felt, uh, I, I felt that way, but with automated customer service, but we'll get there, because that's not my number one favorite. My number one is Pop Squad, which I think is kind of obvious. That was like my so. number five, and it was I, really? I know it has an 8.4, so people really like that one. It had sort of the end-time vibe the anti-handmaid's tale where they don't want babies right They're like kill all the babies and i had a few problems with the like i found plot holes into it so first of all there's a guy who's this isn't a plot hole but it's kind of funny to me he's haunted by a stuffed animal the entire yeah. time well it's i a, mean it's, it's a dino what, stuffed animal. it's what the stuffed animal symbolizes for the kid that i know shot. but he had no problem killing the kid he uses the uh, i wouldn't say he had no problem killing the kid i mean he kind of haunts him throughout the whole entire skit so. not the kid the stuffed animal um <laughs> but then you have it he's a police mercenary basically they hire him out, him out to just go and kill kids make yeah. sure their parents don't have babies uh it's kind also like, like children equilibrium in that way yeah <laughs> they don't kill the kids and children well, and men. well just there's just no out. there's just no kids and children of men yes right, yeah. and as you discussed the first scene is him basically just killing a family so we know what his job is about. Right. Later on in the episode, after I, I think my favorite part was that opera scene or whatever she was singing. Yeah. That was pretty amazing. <laughs> just for a cartoon, the first like 30 seconds. Yeah, you being able I had to see earbuds the in and I was just like, it, was, it wasn't the visuals to me, it was the song. I was like, wow. <laughs> but later on in the episode, he gets shot, just like nicked by the, his cheek by a guy who's, who's one of the parents who they catch with a kid. And the guy gets the gun by stealing it from one of the cops. And this is like futuristic technology. This is definitely not modern day. Like this is us in the 200 years, right? right? Yeah. We already have biocentric weapons where people can't use the gun if the fingerprint doesn't match. 
So why wouldn't the cops be using that? Why would the guy even be able to get off a shot? It didn't make sense to me. It that that be annoyed a different me. Reality, I don't know. Yeah, different reality, but still, that technology existed. They had like superb guns in there. Um, and then, uh, well, what happened later on? I'm trying to remember. He goes to Mel. He goes to the house. Oh, you know, no, no, just a plot structure thing. Why are they killing the kids of the parents? The parents are the ones who are making the mistake. And what they're trying to do is keep the population low. And like the mom said later on, kill me instead. Kill the person who did the crime. If you're really that sinister, don't kill the kid though. Because they, they can replace them. Does that make sense? I, that makes sense. But I think the reason for that was because the parents that had already lived and already experienced everything, yeah. they didn't want to, like I guess, reteach that to a new uh, upcoming generation. So but that would be an easy... First of all, we know that those parents who are breaking the law are just going to either continue to break it or go to jail somewhere for breaking the law. Yeah, they're the kids. <laughs> yeah, the kids wouldn't go to jail because they didn't do anything wrong. They could just be taught not to do that in their future they could be indoctrinated at a young age you'd replace the population with the part that um that broke the law and and it would be uh it would be all kumbaya kumbaya well i think that still they just didn't want to teach a new generation i think it was just keep the population as it is i don't know it just seemed like a bigger problem to me for that reason and that's why i rated it low as one of my least favorite from this season however i realized that it's got more of a uh, story than say my favorite which again was the all through the house which I love because it was such a simple idea. These kids come down to see Santa or whatever, yeah. and they instead meet this like anthropod slimy <laughs> insect thing that judges them and then barfs out a gift and it's like gross looking. But it's the thing they want. It's the most. so simple of a world that it was creating, but also such a like horrific story that <laughs> that I love that the kid at the very end, her last line was like, what if we hadn't? Yeah, because that was the, I, that's the only thing that's going through your head if you're watching it as a kid yeah it was my number three favorite and i i did like it it was very short and to the point um but i thought that the idea had kind of been done before and the last line i kind of predicted i was like this is what you oh yeah say. absolutely predictable check but as far as the just implementation of the scary thing I think that was good too. Yeah. Um, what was your second favorite? My second favorite was Snow in the Desert. And that was purely, I think, just based off of, again, the visuals. That one looked the most realistic You're, you're going to me. very much by the IMDb scores. That has an 8.1, so also one of the higher rated. I gave that four. So it was kind of mid-tier to me. Um, I didn't really... First of all, Snow in the Desert. The guy's name is Snow. So it reminded me of that horse joke, the one about his name being Friday yeah, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's this water shortage on this planet. So he's not living in this great place, but he's very special because he can he has a regenerative ability, right? Mm -hmm. And there are these agencies that are out there looking for him, specifically like Boris or something like that. Boris, yeah. And that part reminded me of the Mandalorian where he shoots all the people oh, in the bar. Oh, definitely Mandalorian vibes in this this episode. So it, it was cool visually. Again, <laughs> I, I the twist was pretty predictable but we'll get into that yeah. so this girl helps him out getting away from the first bounty hunters um but then this other set kind of follows him later right but he ends up hooking up with the girl who also wants him to come and share his ability so that they can like test him but for humanity right and she she um she later on gets shot in the middle of this big fight with yeah in Barris. the face yeah <laughs> yeah but after watching so many um into the darks <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like predicted like they're not 
it's kind of like what happened in the automated phone call one later yeah. on. Uh, women are not going to just be like victims. Well, yeah, through, I, through I, this series. Once she got shot on that, I was like, oh no, there's going to be something that she yeah, does. Yeah, she comes. Right. She comes back almost immediately and kills the main bad guy and is like, I saved your life. I'm a, I'm a robot this whole time, which they hinted out earlier. And I put ex machina when I saw that part. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey. all of these have an ex machina. And we'll talk about that because I see it as sort of a problem with the show right I now. I meant ex machina in terms of the film. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. She sort of looked like that character, yeah, right. too. She reminded me of Humans Leo. The, yeah. Because yeah, she was right. half synthetic, half human. Also, Will Smith from iRobot, half synthetic, half human. And they described that at the very end, and they have a ha nice little like sex scene, and uh, they live happily <laughs> ever after. The, the only plot hole that I saw was when she put on his dead wife's clothes, and he's like, that she's been dead weird. for 100... Yeah. No, that wasn't the weird part to me. The part that was weird was that they were 120-year-old like silk dresses, and that they hadn't broken down. Yeah, there was no like, sense he's living in the heat. No damage or anything like that. Yeah. Well, it'd be weird if there was damage. Well, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't breaking down. And yeah, he was 200 years old. And that's something about a lot of these things. Like, people his were living. back, it was pretty funny, too. Yeah, his, his, yeah. It looked yeah. like the Deadpool. Regenerative, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, it's literally the director of Deadpool saying, hey, let's break off someone's <laughs> arm and have the little baby arm come back. Yeah, I know, but I was going to say that every other, it seemed like for a lot of these episodes, people were living way longer than the normal lifespan. Like, yeah. even in I mean, sci-fi, there's only a certain number of plots that you can try to ignore it without like coming into the bucket that's right. always used yeah right later on that um michael b jordan michael episode jordan. reminded me Life at Hush. the beginning of very much like expanse because space yeah. shows borrow from each other all the time but so on my second one right yeah was the down giant and for yeah, that one right. that was the last one that i watched oh, okay well yeah i think i think it went the same way for everyone definitely the premiere did and i think that the last one did as well like the i pride Man, myself but... that my imdb scores are not nearly as close to what they actually show yeah. that has a 7.2 i can understand why people might find it a little boring but it reminded me of first of all there was a villain in the tick season two that was like a giant human mm -hmm. so the first thing i thought was that but then i realized it's more gulliver's travels from the point oh, of the yeah, small yeah, people's completely. perspective yeah the thing that really bugged me about that episode, though, was that the body would decompose so quickly, the smell would be atrocious. Yeah. Like, they talk about this with whales, and this thing is, like, way bigger than a right. whale. And so, like, within a day or so, people would have needed masks because they would have been dying whenever they even got close to that thing. And, the thing and that, no one even mentioned it the, thing, the entire episode. But I did like the guy's narration, and that's why I gave it my uh, second favorite. I put it at number five. I definitely like the final shot. I don't know what it is about TV shows whenever they're able to, like, get a sad song in there, and then you get to see, like, birds flying away from it and everything. I, I thought that there were some parts of that episode that were done very well. To go on your point, I think that um, one of the things that also reminded me of was Attack on Titan, except there, one of those things is once you kill a Titan, their body decomposes, like, right away. Yeah, not only is it decomposing, they showed, like, a couple seagulls eating away at it, yeah. or the crabs. But that wasn't the first day. The first day, I feel like there just would have been thousands upon thousands of seagulls just picking, picking right. away in the grossest areas of that man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... And they weren't afraid to, to, to show the full body in scope. It was very intimidating. And I, I, there was... Well, they didn't show him completely naked. And they also didn't show a lot of sex in this season. And a lot of people talked about that as far... Compared to the first season, nudity and sex. They kind of toned it down, but not on purpose. More just because the plot, it, it didn't lend itself to it as easily. Well, in the first episode, I was thinking... Or sorry, in the last episode, the drowned giant. I thought that that giant was going to wake up at some point until they showed his eyes glazed over. I was just convinced of it. Just like the narrator was kind of talking about how he was only in the first day did i think okay this guy might still be alive 
Um, I think that if he was really in charge of, because they said that this guy was supposed to be in charge of the breakdown, he didn't seem to do much. He yeah. just walked no, up and he would like, write about it. Yeah, no, you, you would write about it and then he like got on it a couple times and that's about it. But I enjoyed his, his per- perspective. I, I really so. like that shot of the bone that they used. I think it was the thigh bone or something. About and, the butcher. Uh, about the butcher shop. I thought that was well done as well. All right. So what's your third favorite? My third favorite was the tall grass. Um, it reminded me of a video game like a lot of these did and it also reminded me of the no activity animation style but i thought it was done better in that way um and i really enjoyed the twist of that it, it was other people those monsters in the tall grass that were trying to kill um the main character <laughs> okay i i can see your point i didn't <clears throat> i didn't hate any of these episodes so the reason i rated the seventh for me was a lot to do with it there's a Stephen King book that Netflix also produced into a movie just like a few years like 19 ago. something, right? No, it's called In the Tall Grass. Oh. <laughs> and it's literally just about you getting lost in the tall grass and then bad things happening to you. Yeah. Uh, it has uh, Paul something or the guy from The Conjuring in it. Um, Patrick, Patrick Wilson. Yeah, he's, he's in that movie. Yeah. But it, it, so this guy is like stuck on a train that looks like some sort of Hogwarts Express yeah. or like the Country Express. Right. Um, and he, the, he pulls a stopwatch out at the beginning of it. And so I think it has something to do with time travel. That doesn't end up being the case. <laughs> My criticism is why the fuck did the conductor, knowing full well about these evil little gremlins that were running around in the grass eating people, <laughs> glowing... Why would he say, okay, it's okay for you to take a uh, smoke break? Like, why would he not just straight up tell him? He tries to pull this thing at the end where he's like, if you tell anybody, you're going to sound crazy. Yeah, but just tell him. Just tell the one guy who is standing outside the train and say, hey, get back in there. There's literally like a mad guy running around. That's all he would have had to have said. Right, but I, th- I, I see your point there. But I think that the ending twist was just like, if there's only one person, he's just always going to put them out there. Because- but again, it was the same ending twist. So let, let's just break into this now where, where, where my biggest problem with the, the, this eight episodes is mm-hmm. no bad endings. Everybody survived. Yeah, Everybody fair. got away with it. Like it, the good guys always won. This is supposed to be, it's like the Black Mirror sort yeah. of cartoon thing. And I, I understand that as maybe the creator of the show has put it, he really likes good endings, like where the good guy wins. Yeah. But it, it, it takes away all like suspense well, no, if I, you know that something good is going to happen. By this point, when I was watching The Tall Grass, I was like, okay, so he's not going to die. It, even when, when it showed it that he was, then suddenly that like freaking that that wasn't ex machina. The guy just the yeah, conductor comes in with a fire yeah. fire. No, I agree with you. It also makes it when you do see a good ending, especially for a show that had a lot of bad endings. When you see a good ending, it makes it more gratifying because you're like, oh, I've had to go through all these bad. And in the endings. first season, I do believe there were a number of them that just kind of they they might not have been like. Um, uh, the worst ending possible, but definitely finding yourself in a hell of just re- repeating and the in the witness, yeah, and the witness, like that was that was crazy, and it was also like scary, but not to the point where you would just like not want to live anymore. I don't know. It, no, yeah, this th- that's my main complaint from this season. Um, but yeah, it was other than that a good episode. The second, the second that the conductor told the main character to take a smoke break, I was expecting it to say press A and me to start moving my character around. I was like, this is the part in the story where you would take over as the character if this was a video game. Well, in the Tall Grass, the Stephen King book, as soon as you're out of sight from what the the road is mm-hmm. or what the, the train in that case, you lose it. Like you're never going to get back there. So I was like. Yeah, as I was watching him do that, I'm like, you're such an idiot. Well, that was that was an idiot. He was like trying to run back, and I was like, you walked so far out there. He said he was going to call twice and leave. So I, I, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> um, they were like glowing um, Stranger Things yeah, creatures. No, That's what they look like. The weird the, faces. The villains are pretty good in this show. Yeah. They, they do a good job with that animation. All right, so that was your third, that was right? That my third, yeah. My third was automated telephone unit one. What was Automated customer service. Automated customer service. I don't know why I put this there. I think this probably could be switched with some of the lower ones because it's been done so much. I like the animation because it felt exactly like one of the Pixar things. Yeah. It was a little bit um, longer than what would come yeah, before the movie. Yeah, and darker. But it felt a lot like uh, like that X-Files sushi restaurant yeah, episode yeah, yeah. That, that came out in like season 11 about the smart house and the smart devices trying to kill them. Yeah, There's also like movies from the early 2000s about a smart house. All the time. That became like... Yeah. Like a mom that I think starred Katie Seagal. I think it's like yeah. Smart House Mom right, or something. Yeah. Um, and then you have like the Walls and Gromit, sort of the technology turns against you. <laughs> kind of Monster vibe. House as well. Uh, yeah, so it's all just about this freaking vacuum cleaner that tries to kill the owner. And then at the end of the episode, instead of things resolving, I guess this would be not the perfect ending, but she does choose that ending because right. they give her the option to pay her way out of it yeah and then she's like fuck this yeah and she throws <laughs> the earphone on the ground and then escapes with the one guy again the guy couldn't be the hero there it had to be her because the second the guy was presented as oh he's got the gun he's going to take him out he got uh it he, was one of those strokes i knew was coming but i was like oh this could still be funny when he got tased yeah when he got tased and then she had to fight her way out i think i liked the earlier parts of the episode where they were having to navigate through the house her and the dog um so, yeah, some review I read said something along the lines of that the, she really loved her dog. And I was like, she considered actually throwing the dog. And I don't think people who would like, yeah, that, that, that was weird to me. Um, I did like his line about the fact that I was like, oh, well, it would do the same to you in an instant. But yeah, it felt like a Stanley parable, yeah. right? Yeah, very much so. Um, for me, this was my... Also like Wheatley from Portal. Yeah, for me, this was my last one. <laughs> I, I, I didn't like this one as much. Um, I actually have some information on this one. Are you uh, talking about Ice? Or this automated. automated. automated okay, so we're not getting to ice yet. No, 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 no. no okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, I gave this a five out of ten uh, because again, it's you know this could have been done fine, but I guess feel like the execution was not done that well. Really, I did put that this was like a Pixar thing. I, I think that's the most uh, complimentary I can be of it because yeah, I was like, oh, this looks completely like Pixar. In fact, the main characters looked like Miss Folk from Jimmy Neutron with their giant necks mm -hmm. and their big heads. It was produced <laughs> by I think like Meat Meat yeah. Meat yeah Meat department and they use blender i don't know right these, well for, no. for the entire for the entire uh, cgi and, yeah and me department it consists of david nicholas laurent nicholas and kavos van der Meeren. they do like to do dark horror surreal like things i think kavos van der Meeren did something like rubber and also they did a 12 minute uh short called black holes which deals with a person who's about to go to mars it's all animated exactly like this was but then a melon takes over its life. It's put in a suit and the melon can speak and talk and then it turns into a weird satire of 2001 A Space Odyssey. So I know that the people behind this, they, they can do really interesting things. I just thought that like, you know, after a certain I don't know while, if the studio is the director. Like I think the studio is, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, no, I'm just saying the people that worked on the show. The people For the rest of the episodes, they usually use things like uh, 3D Studio Max, Maya, uh, Nuke Vray, and um, Adobe just yeah, to, right. to, to animate all these. But with 
meat department, they just handled it all. Right. So yeah, that's, that's the difference. And people were saying this was like the yogurt uh, yogurt episode of last You either love time, it or hate it. Or the dump, where it, you weren't supposed to take this seriously really at all. It was just supposed to kind of be a pure comedy. People were calling it a darker version of Wally as well, <laughs> which I can tend to see. Yeah. Um, so, again, I think that uh, it was interesting. There were some funny parts, but it definitely was predictable to the uh, biggest extent. I think. Yeah. So then where does ice fall for you? Ice falls for me second to last. <laughs> okay, second to last. Ice is number six to me. I think, again, we can compliment the visuals of it, but if you're not paying attention to the visuals and you're just looking straight at the plot, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You got Sedgwick, who's brothers with Fletcher, but he's unmodded and Fletcher is a modded, like, younger brother. Yeah. Everybody in the world is modded there, and he, uh, Fletcher has these friends, and they go watch the whales together. Well, also, Fletcher and Sedgwick are uh, living in the slums. Everyone's either smoking or homeless. It's it's not a great place to live, but yeah, they go to meet with uh, the friends Logan. I think there's kind of like a room. dystopian planet. Yeah. And so, yeah, Sedgwick tags along with Fletcher to go check out the whales. Logan's crew is, is and they're all modded. Right. And they run out there, and, and for some reason, they decide that the only way to see the whales is not to stay back where they're going to end up watching them like burst through the ice, but but to go as far as they possibly can and then run, run back yeah. <laughs> and then watch it. I don't understand why any of them wouldn't just sit there and kind of just enjoy what they I th- were about I think to see. it was trying to like be like, oh, they want to feel alive and that's the way that they feel like they can because they're modded. Um, maybe that, maybe because they were encouraging the whales to try to eat them. I don't know. Right. But, <laughs> but they end up having that race and then... Fletcher risks his own life by pretending to be hurt so that Sedgwick can save him. I'm and wondering. That was, so yeah, that was very strange. Not a great twist, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, the twists I, weren't as effective this time because they were either too predictable or somewhat a little dumb. Like out of the one. blue. <laughs> like, I, I, I think the frost whales look cool. Oh, yeah, no. I, <laughs> so I, maybe pictures of this episode would make it better than the actual Well, as you episode. said, the animation I, was great. That was definitely the redeeming factor for me. It reminded me of a film that's completely different from this called Waltz with Basher, which kind of did the same type of things. The dark contrast with the light, the whales look cool. But the story overall, again, did not make sense. Fletcher was like literally willing to die and let his brother die just so his brother could feel a little bit better about the whole thing. And even though by the ending, I don't know how the extent to which Fletcher's abilities, like because he has those mods, if he could have, if had seen his brother struggling and then turned around and saved both of them, if it had gotten that bad. But I was going to bring that up because the whales were right behind them. The whales were right behind them, like they were about to die. So I understand that Fletcher maybe could have tried to save his brother if things got too. Too bad, but they things were pretty bad and, as they were. I right mean, there. it does highlight a big problem with the sea right now, which is whales eating humans. <laughs> I don't think that that's true, but no, <laughs> I've but, never heard of a whale like attacking a human unless it's been held in captivity. Right? Like you literally have one movie I think about a killer whale that chases down like this this couple or something. But other than that, that's that's just all fantasy. Well, yeah, and even by the end of this like uh, sketch, I guess you could say the whale busts out and they are breathe. on top as it busts out of the ice, and so they have to like obstacle course their way down, <laughs> and they barely and this, make it the, out. The biggest thing that wouldn't make sense here is because they're not on Earth. The fact that there's whales but but because whales will have been eliminated by then right now we're on the course to like take out the whales by like 2035 or something so it would be interesting to see them survive and then become this ginormous like what are they surviving on how many fish are in that ocean (laughs) yeah who knows and i i did kind of think at first when they revealed the twist where his brother uses his leg down or kick a hat or something like that right or something pick up his hat because the the hat was stolen by one of logan's crew i was kind of like oh that's a cool way of revealing that but still twist. it was was more about the revelation to um sedgwick where he was like oh my brother wasn't hurt the whole time but then 
he gets over it because he realizes that his brother did it to help him get accepted. Right. Yeah. But the next activity that they do, there's no, <laughs> there's no guarantee that Cedric won't get himself yeah, killed no, because he doesn't have the mods and he's not able to perform to the same extent as they are. Where'd you say that you put this? Um, number six. Number six. So okay. the tall grass was after it, and then my number eight was Life Hutch. Life Hutch, yeah. Life Hutch was number six for me. It was the one, I think they're going to do one each season where it's real life. Um, it's Michael B. Jordan. Reminded me a lot of a ton of Netflix films that are coming out nowadays where it has a famous person in the front this, this, and yeah. there's a robot. <laughs> but uh, more to me, it was like, we got someone famous. We got a young A-list actor and we're going to incapacitate him right at the start of the episode so he can't move at all. And it's like, well, he, he, that's he can't act. Right, he's literally yeah. just going to be sitting there. So he like for half this episode, he's pretending to be dead. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> the thing, the thing keeps on coming up to him and he just has to keep on looking straight and not blink. Yeah, and then it, he wins at the end. He, he like, a flashlight. That didn't make, it was just so, again, out of the blue. It's like, oh, he, he uses a flashlight so the no, monster no, kills no, itself. It, the, earlier on in the episode, it kind of came to me like, this is definitely a cat. This, the whole idea of like a Boston Dynamics robot being yeah. a dog, but the way that this thing acts the entire time from playing with its prey to kind of like not being able to see anything until it moves. Yeah. That's a cat. <laughs> and, I, and I put down for, um, I'm going to bring up an uh, automated customer service. I put down that that one was kind of like the Black Mirror uh, metalhead, but this one also, uh, and I Am Mother and all those other Netflix films that come out with the uh, monster being a robot and then a human has to survive. Somehow. Well, I mean, it's called Love, Death, and Robots. I have no problem. Yeah. Every one of these episodes does follow the title of the series. Right. Um, we but, see him but fly the one thing, the one thing I know about this is that Michael D. Jordan, I think, actually contacted uh, the Love, Death, and Robots people. Oh, it's like John Hamm with Black Mirror? TDR, or the LDR, sorry, people, and um, and said, yeah, I want to be in it. Yeah, so I and think... then they were like, screw you, we're going to make you a, <laughs> a dying pilot for, uh, yeah. I thought he did a good job. He does survive I, at the end. And he, again, yeah, happy yeah. ending. Um, but I think... And heal himself, I mean, because yeah, he was pretty hurt. I think that the other reason why my ICE and um, automated customer service are so low is just because I, I really didn't like those. Well, that one I didn't really have a problem with, but I wasn't super complimentary of it either. Well, Life Hutch is, has a 7.0. And it feels like you were saying it could have been a full Netflix movie that I had like tuned into halfway through because the scene didn't really lend it. It kept on showing the crash that right, caused yeah. him to go down, but really with no reason to show all that. Oh yeah, and that's another reason I wanted to bring up about Ice. The beginning scene had really, I feel like they could have- With the parents? Yeah, they could have been able to present that in a way easier way. I didn't think that that was really needed, but um, same with Life Hutch. Yeah, they didn't really need to show the crash. I guess feel like they were like, oh, we have this budget. We can make it look really cool. All right. So I know we, by ending with our worst episodes, we sound like we're just trashing the show, but overall, still a good show, yeah, right? Yeah. You're kind of just disappointed you didn't get more of it. Um, I don't think it held up to the first season. Yeah, that's what There were no witness were episodes to me. On Reddit, yeah, they were saying that the second season was definitely not as good. But um, not, like, hard to watch. Novel, yeah. It's definitely something you can get through in a couple hours, like we did, and yeah. then uh, and, and move on with your day. If you're only going to watch one episode, though, I recommend All Through the House. And then I recommend Pop Squad. I do want to give my ratings. Pop Squad, I gave a 9. Snow in the Desert, 7. Tall Grass, 7. All Through the House, 7. The Dream, uh, the Drown giant six life hutch six ice six and uh automated customer service five yeah i'm not going to confuse people because <laughs> i didn't actually make ratings so okay. i just had my order all right thanks for listening we'll see you on the next episode have a great day bye bye